Hey there, I'm Sarah McLaughlin. Thanks for joining me on the Chaos to Calm podcast, a podcast designed for women over 40 who think that changing hormones might be messing with their mood, metabolism, and energy, and want to change that in a healthy, sustainable, and permanent way. Each episode will explore topics related to health and wellness for women in their 40s, like what the heck is happening to your hormones, what to do about it with nutrition, lifestyle and stress management and inspiring conversations with guests sharing their insights and tips on how to live your best life in your 40s and beyond. So if you're feeling like you're in the midst of a hormonal storm and don't want perimenopause to be horrific, then join me on Chaos to Calm as I share with you how to make it to menopause without it wrecking your relationships and life. Hello and welcome back to Chaos to Calm podcast episode number 37. It's me, Sarah, the perimenopause naturopath here, ready to dive into another chat with you about life after 40 and perimenopause and the common pitfalls and issues that arise at this phase of life. So today I want to know if you've ever felt like you're spinning your wheels like you're doing all the right things, you're trying to lose that weight that can creep on once you hit into your 40s and beyond, but you're really getting nowhere. And, you know, everyone talks about diet and exercise as the thing for dropping weight. And maybe you are doing those things, you know, maybe you're doing what everyone tells you, eat less and move more or whatever flavor of that is in vogue at the moment. This, you know, changing all the time although not really. They seem to just be all versions of eat less, move more. Um, Can you tell I'm sick of it? (laughs) But I want to know, do you know there's a relationship between sleep and weight loss? And so today that's what we're going to dive into because um, sleep or or lack thereof (laughs) is really common in your 40s and in perimenopause, and it has a sneaky way of impacting your weight loss and your overall health and well-being and and your symptoms that you feel during perimenopause. So let's start by talking about Michelle. Now, Michelle, I met a couple of years ago. She was really stuck in that cycle of feeling exhausted but not sleeping well at night. So she'd go to bed early. She was doing lots of, you know, the right things or the good things around sleep. But once she was in bed, it was eyes wide open, clock ticking, mind ticking away. I bet that feels familiar for lots of you as well. Um, So, of course, it's no surprise that she was exhausted. Falling asleep was really difficult for her. It might take anywhere from 10 minutes to two hours. She never knew Never knew what the night was going to hold when she hopped into bed there. Um, And then, you know, she did wake up as well. And I'm sure, you know, I've experienced this myself. Lots of my clients have as well. And I bet you have too, that in early or very early perimenopause, when you might not really realize that that's what's going on for you, you start waking up and, you know, one, two, three o'clock, 
maybe during the night or maybe just start waking up really early like 5 a.m. and you can't get back to sleep. So this was the same for Michelle. You know, nighttime wakening had become her new normal since she'd moved into her 40s and into perimenopause. And each time she woke, it was a lotto. Like it could be 10 minutes, it could be two hours before she went back to sleep. So even though she was going to bed pretty early, about 9.30, 10, she wasn't getting enough sleep to um, sustain her mental health and physical health there as well. So in the morning, she was just feeling wiped out and totally unrefreshed. So, you know, you might be thinking, well, what does Michelle's sleep struggle have to do with perimenopause? You know, it's part of perimenopause, but what's it got to do with losing weight? Yeah, Michelle's story is a, a classic example because uh, also what I wanted to say, the important thing I've left out there is actually Michelle wanted to lose 20 kilos. So she had gained 20 kilos over her, her 40s and her early perimenopause experience. So she was uh, in her mid-40s when I met her. And around losing weight, Michelle was doing all of those right things. So she was, you know, trying to watch what she ate, eat clean, eat healthy, you know, keep out the snacks and the sweets and the alcohol and stuff like that. She was doing movement most days, uh, but still not losing weight. So her story is quite a textbook example of how those hormone fluctuations of perimenopause can lead to disrupted sleep and then can also turn into a significant roadblock for weight loss. And that's really what I want to talk about today is how sleep or lack thereof impacts your weight and overall health. So our human bodies are very complex. You've heard me say that before, for sure. But each system really relies on us getting plenty of quality rest. We can't understate the importance of sleep. It's it's actually, I kind of jokingly say this to my clients in their education course that's that's part of the chaos to calm method but it's not really a joke because <laughs> actually sleep and giving yourself the opportunity to get good quality sleep is one of the best self-care things that you can do your metabolism your weight your mental health and well-being they rely on you getting plenty of quality rest so let's have a look at some of the links between sleep and weight loss and why it becomes a blocker uh, in perimenopause there as well. So the biggest baddie when it comes to your sleep, sabotaging your weight has to be stress. You know, I was going to say it. It's every time. I can't understate it. It really is the biggest blocker to your health, happiness and weight loss. Sleep deprivation is a massive source of physical stress on the body because you don't get the opportunity to restore and repair tissue damage and your brain doesn't get the opportunity to rest and restore there as well so elevated cortisol levels can tell your body to store more fat to protect you but it also encourages the use of muscle as an energy source which actually leads to a lower metabolic rate so in terms of your appetite, higher cortisol will boost it and encourage you to eat more food overall, and particularly those higher carb instant energy foods like sweets and, and chips and biscuits and that kind of thing. Um, so your appetite is boosted, but your overall metabolic rate is lower, so you're more likely to store fat 
less likely to burn fat, you're going to lose your muscle mass. And that has really big implications for us in the long term in terms of our fall risk as we age and uh, longevity. So it is really important to preserve and protect your muscle mass. So there's been studies done uh, on this. And so there's one study that found in people attempting uh, to lose weight, the participants that got only five and a half hours of sleep per night, which it doesn't sound like much, but I bet for lots of you, that's actually probably what you're getting around about that. Um, so those only getting five and a half hours sleep per night lost 60% more muscle mass compared to those who got eight and a half hours sleep. So in the sleep deprivation group, so five and a half hours is considered sleep deprivation, they experienced 55% less fat loss. So they lost less fat. They also sabotaged their metabolic rate long-term, so slowed it long-term uh, and by losing that muscle mass. Muscle is like a glucose-burning factory, so it's really important for us to build muscle. And as we lead into menopause and then in the years immediately post-menopause, we lose muscle mass at a much more rapid rate. So it's harder to build it and it's harder to preserve it. So we don't need to do other things like not having enough sleep that's going to further accelerate that you know we're really pushing rocks uphill here so we want to not add more boulders for us to push up that mountain so another big link between sleep and weight loss is your insulin sensitivity or resistance so when you're more resistant to insulin your cells can't access the energy, the glucose, that they need to function properly. So insulin is a hormone that your pancreas secretes when we eat food and it unlocks the cells, opens them up so they draw glucose in from the bloodstream into the cells and they use that in their energy-making factories to create energy for your cells so that they can do the things that they were designed to do. So what happens when you're more resistant to insulin? The body converts more energy into fat stores rather than using it for fuel. It also holds on to those fat stores and avoids using it for energy as much as possible. So you're more likely to create fat and store fat and less able to burn fat. And a higher insulin there as well also makes you crave more sweet, carb-dense foods because your cells still need that energy. So your blood glucose level is higher, but your cells are essentially starving because they can't get that energy into the cells. So just one night of partial sleep deprivation. Now remember what we said, what I said before, that five and a half hours counts as sleep deprivation. So just one night of reduced sleep can induce insulin resistance. So that's part of the reason why you crave those energy hit foods or those unhealthier foods after you stay up too late. Now, so long-term sleep deprivation can really contribute to ongoing insulin resistance and even lead to type 2 diabetes. And that's not even taking into account that as our estrogen levels fluctuate through perimenopause and start to decline, that also contributes and increases our insulin resistance. So there's multiple factors going in there. And again, just like I said before, like we don't need to add to the, the rocks that we're pushing uphill by 
having less sleep and and losing more muscle, we also don't need to have, you know, add to the insulin resistance picture because your hormone changes are already creating that scenario. By having less sleep, you're actually making that worse. Now, let's talk about our thyroid because we also have to consider how sleep deprivation impacts our thyroid, which is like our thermostat, our metabolism thermostat in our body. It's the engine. It drives our metabolism and how much energy we use through the day. If your thyroid is not working optimally, weight loss is going to become really difficult. But also, if it's not working optimally, you are going to probably feel really garbage and have perhaps heavier bleeding because it's going to impact your iron storage or iron metabolism. It's going to impact your hair and your hair loss and how you think, your cognition. You feel slower, more lethargic, more apathetic. Um, so there's a you know your thyroid really impacts all of the systems of your body there as well. And I'm just talking about weight loss here today as well. Um, so acute sleep deprivation. So remember acute is short term. It's one, one night. It doesn't have a huge effect on your thyroid. So remember that one night of sleep deprivation can actually have a huge effect on your insulin resistance. But to have an effect on your thyroid, it needs a little bit longer or more nights of sleep deprivation, but not really a lot. It's only 14 days. <laughs> so that five and a half hours per night is partial sleep deprivation. Your thyroid function is going to be impacted after 14 days. It's only two weeks. Uh, so your thyroid stimulating hormone and your T4, your thyroid hormone levels actually drop, um, particularly in female participants in this time. So just two weeks of skimping on sleep can do that. So imagine what months or years could do. Uh, so also remembering thyroid functions also interconnected with stress and insulin resistance. So once one factor is out of whack, the rest are soon to follow. It's always important to remember this. Our body is a whole bunch of systems, but they're not like islands in the stream. They are all interconnected and interrelated and impact each other. So imbalance or dysfunction in one will if not immediately, eventually impact others. All right. So sleep and weight loss resistance go in hand in hand. But I want to know if you, you know, how do you implement this knowledge so you can release that weight? First up, I want you to remember that sleep is one part of the puzzle pieces. If you're not doing the other basics in terms of eating plenty of nourishing whole foods, managing your stress, you know, building muscle mass and your strength, getting some extra Zs is not going to make, you know, 10 kilos or 20 pounds for my overseas friends vanish magically overnight. It's just not, you know, and that's the thing. There is no instant magic wand, quick fix, pill powder potion that's going to do this for you. Your body needs to be supported and nourished. It needs help adjusting to the hormone fluctuations and changes of perimenopause. One thing is not going to do that. Your health and how you feel is a sum total of your genetics and your food that you eat and your lifestyle and, yeah, those basics like getting your fresh air, getting some safe sun exposure, drinking plenty of water, eating nourishing wholesome foods most of the time, avoiding alcohol, 
I could totally go sideways here on this thing that I heard about the other day, which made me laugh because it's called 75 Hard. You might know about it. And I was reading through it and I was like, that is so interesting that people feel like it's a hard thing or something that they can, you know, focus on and do for 75 days. I looked at it and I was like, it's literally how I live my life (laughs) each day. And the things that I encourage my clients and women to do to look after themselves and their health. So I guess it's just another thing that that people want to do, but it really plays into that diet mindset and diet culture that we seem to have where we focus on doing things for a period of time. We do all or nothing and not working out what that balance, that healthy balance is for us for long-term health and well-being. And so I guess that's what I'm saying to you here is that there's multiple puzzle pieces. There always is. There's multiple factors underlying what's going on for you. This is one part of it. It does have a big impact, so it's important. It is a really big key to get in place. You do want to set up your sleep so that you can have or be working towards that supported and nourished body. So what else can you do? I think I might have hinted at it, but I'm going to explicitly say it to you. Sleep enough hours. (laughs) Give yourself a fighting chance at getting somewhere between seven and nine hours. If you're really busy, physically active, or you've got a chronic or underlying health condition, you might need more than nine hours. I don't make the rules and just tell you how they are. So um, you can try and deny, but please do tune into what your body needs. So you want to give yourself a fighting chance to get enough hours. If that means that you know that your sleep is broken or maybe you know that your brain or your body is going to wake you up at 5 a.m., you're going to need to go to bed earlier. And just on that, sticking to a regular sleep schedule, even on the weekends, your body loves it. Your body loves rhythm and routine and particularly around regular eating times and regular sleeping times. So even on the weekends, try not to stay up too late, try to go to bed at a similar time, and you'll probably find after you hit into your 40s that even if you want to sleep in, you're probably still going to wake up at a similar time each day. And another thing I want to say as well is about sleeping the right hours. So a lot of women come and tell me that they don't go to bed till after midnight, 1 a.m., you know, maybe they, I don't know, everyone wants to have some solitude and alone time. So they stay up later and later, but then, you know, you're potentially just scrolling on Netflix or social media in that time as well. So it's not particularly quality alone time, is it? Uh, But what I want you to know is that I always say an hour of sleep before midnight is actually worth two hours of sleep after midnight. So, and research actually supports me. So I'm not just some random thing that I'm making up, but earlier to bed can help you live longer compared to those that stay up later. Now, the reason that I say I want you to go to bed well before midnight and get some sleep in before midnight is because you want to have a couple of sleep cycles in before your cortisol uh, levels naturally start to rise around 2 a.m. So I recommend my clients are asleep by 10.30 most nights of the week. And if you can, the earlier, the better there so that you get those two sleep cycles in before um, 2 a.m. Now, and, you know, there's a whole nother blog here on quarter, a blog podcast on 
cortisol and its natural rhythm. Um, but if your cortisol is elevated or dysregulated, you might find that, you, that you're waking up around 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. and having a hard time getting back to sleep. It's like it can be, you know, it's not the only reason, there'd be others, but it could be that your cortisol is actually elevated and dysregulated. So your cortisol rises in the early hours of the morning to keep your blood sugar levels up and to help you get up and out of bed and to wake up. So if it's too, if your stress levels are high and your cortisol levels are high, that'll start to rise earlier um, and be higher at 2 a.m. than what it should be. So sleep hygiene is, of course, really important and there's lots of information around about sleep hygiene. I'm going to give you a quick summary now. So sleep hygiene is all about signaling to your brain and your pineal gland that it's time, it's evening, it's time for sleep. So this is where we want to minimize that blue light that comes from digital devices and your TV and that stimulation. Um, and even like the LED lights is a blue form of light. So you either want to turn the lights off, use candles or use lamps with a warm light rather than a white light. And, you know, maybe have a warm shower or bath, use some lavender spray or oil in your bath or, um, have a nice chamomile tea in the evening, all things to help you wind down and relax, you know, maybe not exercising too late in the day or in the evening and um, don't eat too late either, please. So quick summary of sleep hygiene then. I do have more on the blog uh, about sleep and sleep hygiene there as well. So you know, maybe, like I said, like Michelle was getting into bed by 10, but she was tossing and turning and waking up multiple times. And maybe that's you as well. We want to get you plenty of deep sleep because that's where the rest and rest, the restoration and repair comes in. So if your sleep quality is poor, then I do have a blog called Sleep Better in Perimenopause that has some actionable tips to get better sleep. And I will link that in the show notes there as well. So yeah, adopting those strategies isn't just about improving your sleep quality. It's giving that they're going to give your body the best chance to adapt to the hormone changes of perimenopause, which is when it's not adjusting and adapting, that's where we get those symptoms. That's what the problem is. Uh, and, you know, one of those symptoms or side effects is weight gain or weight loss resistance. And hopefully you've realized today that sleep has a big impact on weight loss and and weight loss resistance so michelle and i you know we worked together we got her in a better state of health we helped her body ad better adjust to the changing hormones state of perimenopause you know helping her body adjust to that fluctuating and reducing estrogen and progesterone so she could get better sleep and she did she was sleeping so much better by the end of our 12 weeks together so you know she was feeling more clarity in her head and feeling more energy and feeling better and she lost 13 kilos too in that time so yay for her that was fantastic so just to recap before we finish up today sleep or lack of sleep and even just one night of reduced sleep so remember we're talking about sleep deprivation as being just less than six hours can increase your insulin resistance so increase your fat storage reduce your fat burning 
increase your muscle loss. All of those things contribute to weight gain or not being able to lose weight, regardless of how much exercise you do or, you know, eat less, move more. And the other thing as well is that lack of sleep will impact your thyroid, your overall uh, energy and well-being and metabolism and your perimenopause symptoms there as well. So it is really important, you know, giving yourself that chance to get between seven and nine hours sleep per night. Working on your sleep is the greatest self-care gift that you can give yourself and those around you as well because you're going to be a lot less irritated and snappy with a bit more sleep under your belt there as well. So don't forget to explore the show notes for my free resources and I will link to the blog that will give you some more tips about how to get better quality sleep in perimenopause. So thank you so much for joining me today. Remember to understand what is going on for you in perimenopause is a giant leap towards living your best life now and into the future. So here's to wishing you a peaceful night's sleep and brighter days ahead. And I look forward to speaking to you next time on Chaos to Calm podcast. It's really common for women over 40 to experience the chaos of changing hormones, mood, metabolism and energy. But I hope you know now that common doesn't have to equal normal for you or them. You can help others understand they aren't alone in feeling this way and that perimenopause doesn't have to be horrific by subscribing, leaving a review and sharing this podcast with other women in their 40s and beyond. Thanks so much for listening and sharing your time with me today in this Chaos to Calm conversation.